Because we're adding a little something to this month's sales contest. As you all know, first prize is a Cadillac Eldorado. Anybody want to see second prize? Second prize is a set of steak knives. Third prize is you're fired. You get the picture? You laughing now? So, Jim, we just listened to uh, that beautiful segment from Alec Baldwin and Glengarry Glenn Ross. That's how we... Uh, that's our sales philosophy here at Service Autopilot, isn't it? That's how we that's how we do things. Absolutely, right? No. <laughs> Is that why there's not a third sales guy? Did he get fired? <laughs> exactly. No, no. Yeah, that's why bears walk around with a set of steak knives, right? Yes, that's right. <laughs> I love how you automatically get this the get the Cadillac. <laughs> right, right, right. I wish. Yeah, I don't th- I don't think uh, that guy's going to do well on his uh great great place to work survey. I think he's going to get dinged a bit, so that's pretty rough. I have I have actually worked not not to that extent, but I have worked in a sales environment a little bit like that, and um, uh, people don't last, and it's not because they can't cut it. It's because it's just a miserable place to work. I don't think that uh, – there's a few places like that still, uh, but for the most part, that's that's old school. I mean, when was Glengarry Glenn Ross written? Late late 80s. Yeah. So yeah. early 90s. Yeah. yeah it's, it's a very thin Alec Baldwin with a full head of hair. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a classic uh, it's a classic uh, sales guy movie. If, it, once you get into sales, I think you have to watch Glenn Gary or Glenn Ross, whether it's relevant or not in today's uh, in today's sales age. Uh, resetting here real, real, real quick. This is the Profit Roadmap, as always. I'm Bear Duplessis alongside Cody Owen, and today we've got our Vice President of Sales. Yeah, that's right. My boss is in the house. Jim Evans is here to join us. Jim comes to us uh, comes to Service Autopilot by way of Intuit. You might have heard of it. Brilliant company, 13 plus years of experience as a manager, uh, pretty much in every department. He has sold uh, emerging technology. He has sold uh, cons- uh, sold and managed uh, consultants in both the U.S. and Canada. Uh, he's sold sales tax, time tracking, uh, so many other things, uh, POS systems as well, um, and uh, including including in something of note that we'll be discussing here right now is retention and acquisition. So he's got both experience uh, and expertise in both those particular fields. And of course, 20 plus overall years of sales experience. Uh, so Jim's definitely got a master uh, master's degree in salesmanship here, and he's going to be sharing with us. He's lived in both the U.S. and Canada. That's something of note because we do have a lot of listeners as well as a lot of members in uh, Canada as well as obviously here in the Up United in America's States. hat. Yeah. Keeping it real. <laughs> Spent some time in Toronto, actually. and I guess this is where we got to, intro, you know, at least say at one time, you know, that how much we love maple syrup, you know, get the little stereotype out there. Oh, man. <laughs> maple syrup's the best. I don't it's, think it's, that, that Jim acknowledges the the maple syrup that we have here as genuine maple syrup. And no, Jim, I was not maple no, syrup. Well, yeah, no. <laughs> Although my son, my my kids live in Canada and my son i don't know what happened we he's missing a gene or something they're dual citizens and he insists that aunt jemima is real syrup um they just didn't take with him he's not yeah something something happened there too much american television (laughs) i guess yeah anyway well thanks for having me on guys i i appreciate having the opportunity to come in and actually see the the podcast in action i think you're doing some great work here and then also uh, spend some time chatting about what I've been doing for the past 20 years, and hopefully we can give some insights to our members and to our listeners and uh, give them something that's useful to them. Hopefully we can distill 20 years of sales experience, oh, Lord. management experience it, let's, into a let's, podcast. Let's not, let's, not, uh, let's not give them anything from the first five years. The first five <laughs> years were rough, <laughs> but maybe the last 15. Absolutely. I think the, uh, I think the thing, let, I mean, let's kind of tackle what we kind of 
set the set the interview off with here, Jim. You know, we we had we played that we played that clip from the movie in terms of that old school sales mentality, the 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 pushing of the numbers, the pushing of the you know the pushing of the sales, and getting to that specific point with your with your team. Um, what about that? In your current role here, and what about that philosophy in general drives you bonkers, and why does it? Well, well, it's it's when you, if we're talking about that clip specifically, or you're talking about just the, the mentality, the mentality um, is that it is a, a churn and burn. It's in and, and and just scorched earth kind of approach. Um, you're, you're burning relationships when you're selling like that. You're burning out your employees. You're burning out your customers when you manage like that. And, um, you know, again, that's, that's a, that, there are some places where sales tactics are still, uh, you know, people still operate with that type of a mentality and operate with that type of, um, uh, uh, philosophy, not philosophy, but, uh, ta- you know, just the tactics and the, uh, just a whole operational method. Um, I am yammering. Do y'all <laughs> a, clean stuff up later on? I really hope Oh, yeah, you do. but we're leaving that in. Okay, okay. yeah, awesome. we're definitely leaving that <laughs> yeah. in. But no. it's, like a, it's like a combative sales. Like sales is a battlefield. Yeah, and and you know what? It, it I do think of sales as being competitive. You have to have almost a competitive streak. A lot of salespeople that I know actually have some kind of sports background. Um, I played football in high school. I'm not an athlete by any measure, but... You know, you have to be somewhat competitive, and you have to ha- be a little, uh, a little, a little, you know, just brave uh, to get into this. Sales isn't easy, and uh, getting no ninety-nine times to hear one yes uh, can demoralize most people. Um, but uh, you don't have to be a sociopath. You don't have to be a sociopath to make a good living, right? No, absolutely not. And point of fact, I hate sports. <laughs> Not at all. Yeah, I, I mean, but let's. Talk, I mean, let's talk about that ninety-nine to ninety-nine to one, uh, Jim. Just for a second, mm. nose. Yeah, I well, I think it, when it comes to the nose, I, I don't think of no as a, you know, it's not personal. It's it may be just not the right fit, or it's not the right offering, or it's not the right time. Uh, so a lot of times, I will think of it as a no, not right now. Um, so there's always an opportunity later on. The other thing is, is in those no's, there's a, there's a lot to learn. And that is, I think, a trait of a really good salesperson is uh, someone that's just continually learning. And that's something that I'll, I really uh, push on my teams as well. Any team that I've ever managed is, you know, what did you learn today? What, what, do you, what insights are you gaining? Uh, because customers or leads or prospects, I should say, are more times than not willing to, to tell you why no. And that's where you can pick pick up a lot. The yes, that's, I, I think of it as like fishing. You know, you're going to cast, if you fish like I do, you're going to cast your, your, your lure, you know, 99 times only get a bite on the hundredth. But that one time you get that bite, it makes the entire day worth it, right? You, you get excited. It's, and it's because you know that you're, 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 you're making progress. You're, you're moving things forward. You're helping somebody out. Um, we'll talk, I, I imagine, about that a little bit later on because I, I believe anything or anything that I've ever sold, I, I really uh, have only taken sales roles where I feel like I'm I'm really making an impact. Uh, that's part of the reason why I came to service autopilot as opposed to some of the other offers that I had when I was looking around. But, um, you know, that, 100, that, that one time you get the yes, 
and uh, a, you know an interest to move forward. It's that bite on the end of the line, right? And it's uh, it's that opportunity to, to know that you're going to make a difference when the deal closes. So when you say make a difference and make an impact, that speaks to like your belief in what you're selling. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. When I was um, uh, my my entire most of my background has been s- selling to uh, small businesses, small to medium sized businesses, and um, I had an opportunity to, to meet with Jonathan. Or where I interviewed with Jonathan, my my first interview with Service Autopilot was a four hour long dinner with with Jonathan Potoshnik, and uh, he and I sat and talked about you know just the the environment, um, the sales culture or the, the 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 entire culture at Service Autopilot, and how they are a teaching company, how they are focused on small to medium sized businesses. I was interviewing for roles in enterprise sales and. Um, you know, Fortune 500 focus, Fortune 1000 focus. My heart wasn't in it, and I think the reason being, and I and I may digress here a little bit, is I know that a lot of these business owners that are out there, maybe some of our listeners right now, live and die by the margin, right? The they've got they've sank everything into this business, and if they aren't successful, it impacts their livelihood, it impacts their employees' livelihood, it impacts. Oftentimes, their relationships with family members, with friends, with their with their spouses. So, if um, you know, if if we have something that we're offering, um, and really, uh, you know, that's I think if you don't feel that way about your offering, if you don't, if you aren't passionate about your offering, then you probably need to find something else that you are passionate about. But when you, you know, the the offering that we have. And I, I sound like I'm selling service autopilot, but I do mean this with all sincerity. And, and if you meet me, I, 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 do, I hope I come across as a sincere person, uh, is that we hopefully we're, we're offering something that can help them get out from underneath that stress, right? And uh, anything that I've sold in the past, um, I, I try to take that mentality. You know, it's like, how am I helping these people? Can I take on the, the, the thought process that they have? You know, what stresses? I, I sold for a long time. I sold to lawyers. And I sold to accountants, you know, and 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 trying to get into their head and understand you got, what you like getting beat up for a living, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? But I I loved both both times. I really appreciated the 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 end user, the 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 customer, the member, uh, because I got insight into what they are, you know, what it is that that they struggle with. You know, a lot of times we'll see accountants and lawyers. Um, as having it all together and, you know, but at the end of the day, they're business owners, just like the guy pushing a lawnmower or the person that's trying to get a crew out in the morning or a team out in the morning. You know, they have stresses. Your specialization was law or crunching numbers, it wasn't, not running a business. It wasn't running a business and you would be surprised at how much of a mess they can be. Um, so, you know, to the small or medium sized business owner out there, you know, you're in good company. You know, there's, there's a lot of people out there that are just trying to figure it out. And um, hopefully I, I'm coming from a perspective where I can be in – understand where they're coming from. I, I haven't – I've never been a CPA. I've never been a lawyer. I – well, for a short stand, I ran a lawn care company, but it was a company, if you call that, uh, you know, a company my brother and I, we didn't do much. We weren't very successful. Uh, I had but, two clients in the summer of 2008. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I made enough money to buy an iPod, and then my lowballing self was out. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I lost my business when my mower broke. So there you go. <laughs> that's that's a, that's the extent of my experience. But you know, spending time with these, you know, with uh, with prospects, with members, uh, hearing what it is that they, um, you know, what they struggle with, what's a concern to them, 
helps you get into their head and not get into their head in a mani- manipulative way. I mean, see things. Understand uh, their see, perspective. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And that's one thing that we talked about was empathy. And, and that's one thing I look for uh, in a new hire is, you know, how em- empathetic are they um, to, to, to their prospects. Which begs the question, why am I here? Uh, no, but to reset for a second, let's talk, let's talk about that, about company culture a little bit here, Jim. Um, you know, that's kind of been an underlying theme, Cody, uh, in most of our talks is, is, is talking about culture and setting up the culture within. And, you know, you know, it seems like we are hammering in, in, in selling service autopilot and talking about our culture, but it's also, we're also talking from our perspective. Uh, and we're saying we believe this works and yeah, that's why service autopilot exactly, still exists. Exactly. I came from that sales mentality, not, well, I mean, for lack of a better term, from the Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross School of Sales Always a little be bit. closing. Always be closing, ABC. But, you know, I still showed up in a shirt and tie, and I expected to put in the hours at the desk and, and to burn the phone up and, and things like that. And there's a lot of those a lot of those things still kind of apply to the way things we, we do things here. But talk about, you know, how you can take a person out of that mold and kind of bring them into the fold a little bit to mm, yeah. what you're trying to do. One is I think it's just bringing on the right people and you're being a bit self-deprecating, you know, but uh, I sit across from you and, uh, you know, speaking to Bear here, um, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have brought you on board if we didn't feel like you were going to be a cultural fit. So understanding the the culture at your company or having a culture is going to be really important. And I know the uh, the approach. Jonathan was our first salesperson, and then Chris Sims came on, um, and he started selling. And both guys, you know, just were consultative from day one. That, that's that's where they spent all their time. So we wanted that we were Jonathan and I both talked about that and being very careful in in not coming in and just and I and I don't believe in that um, in just coming in and turning over the tables uh, when you when you want to. Um, when you want, you know, there's, there's, when you want to go in and, and make a difference in, in the sales culture. Um, one thing that I wanted to bring on board was, you know, a, a more of a acquisitive and, and outbound mentality. And uh, we've been largely inbound in the past waiting, you know, more, um, uh, more passive than, than proactive. Can you kind of elaborate on inbound and outbound? Yeah, so being uh, inbound and being reactive is waiting for your marketing to work for you and bring things in, waiting for the phone to ring. Um, you know, and and that's it works when you know it when when you've got a unique um, offering, but when you have a an offering that is you know starting to have competitors in the field, um, when you have uh, an offering that I don't want to call ours call our offering a, a commodity because we do have a, a, a unique value. Um, you know, uh, uh, we have something unique to offer. None of the other uh, software as a service companies uh, in our field are delivering the profit roadmap to your ears. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, we'll just wait. We'll see. It's six months. I can I can name one that'll probably start a podcast about six months after us. But, but they won't be as funny as Cody. And no, I, so they, they won't. They won't. Um, but anyway, I I think I, I I think I went on a tangent. I I do chase rabbits from time to time. What was the original question? Oh, bringing the cell the culture here. Um, you know what we really. Service Autopilot from from the very beginning has been a teaching company. You see that through Long Care Millionaire. You see that through the conference. You see that from the uh, roadshows that we're starting to do with automations. And the one thing that 
When I talk to prospects on the phone, the one thing I will emphasize is we are not looking for customers. We're looking for members. Um, and I and I want I loved that when I talked to Jonathan and when I interviewed for this role um, is I want to make sure that we have a culture, a sales culture that is uh, that is empathetic, as I mentioned earlier, that it's consultative. Um, and then the other thing that a lot of people may not know is I'm not just over our sales organization. I'm also over our launch organization, uh, which we don't we don't manage the the customer relationship up until the point that we get a credit card and get them sign up. We actually take them on for the first several months as well. Uh, so I do see it as more of a journey, and and we are we we operate as just one organization in getting them to the point of uh, of sticking to it, you know, and and adopting the software, and that's that's really one thing that we want to do and that we emphasize as a culture. Uh, we are becoming more out, you know, we are starting to work more proactively and uh, uh, and go after the business, not waiting for the phone to ring. So we are starting to, you know, make some efforts around uh, calling out and trying to, you know, throw the, throw the bait out rather than wait for them. I, I don't know if that allegory uh, makes sense in this <laughs> I'm rambling as long again. As you, but... you end it somewhere before we're gutting and cooking them. I think exactly. We're good. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but no. 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 It's just it's more being proactive, going out and looking for business rather than waiting for the business to come to you. Yeah. And let's let's try to take this down from this is how service autopilot works. I appreciate. And let's get down to that level of our listeners because they need to have the same attitude yeah. toward their leads that you have toward the people that you're trying to get to come on to service autopilot. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, what you were describing earlier about like thinking about their stressors and what, what we can do to alleviate those and to help them in that. That's what anyone in the service industry is doing. So if you're in cleaning, you're there to take the stress of keeping your house clean from, you know, whoever it is that's responsible in the home for keeping it clean. Mm hmm. Uh, and if they're, you know, working full time, like that's a lot of effort to have to try to balance those things when you get home in the evening and the sink's full of dishes and everything else is happening. So you're coming in and you're not just selling a clean house. You're selling that you're able to take away that stress. Yeah, you're selling a, a lifestyle or a, or, or a stress reliever or, um, you know, a, you're a lu- not necessarily a luxury. Uh, we, we, we have a house cleaner and, uh, you know, at first it felt pretty posh, you know, to have someone come in and clean our house and, and hopefully they're listening, but, uh, uh, they are a service autopilot member as well. Uh, but, but now it's like that, the, you know, what I get out of it is I get that one day where we come home and my wife absolutely loves me to death. You know, that, that the house just, there's no stress. There's, there's, there's nothing to look after. Uh, everything feels like you're walking into a new home again. And that is a feeling that, you know, we get to we get to have a couple of times a month, and you know, to us, it's it's well worth it. Um, so that's that's really what you're kind of selling at the end of the day is you're you're selling somebody uh, something that you you need to have a unique value proposition. I think, um, especially in something like lawn care, uh, in landscaping, in house cleaning, it's you know, it, there's there's a million of them out there, right? So what is it that you're bringing that's unique? And I, and I try to think about that with, with us as well is, you know, what is it that we're doing unique? We have a lot of competitors. We're in that, you know, where we're, we have people nipping at our heels all the time. And what is it that we're doing that's unique? And I think that's what I, I would encourage our members to think about, you know, it, it, when you're, when you have a commodity service or a commodity product, you know, something that's common, um, that's easy to find. 
What is it that you're doing that's different, that sets you apart? Um, if, if I could make a plug for a book, I don't, I don't get anything for plugging it. Um, and I, the name of the author is going to escape me right now, but uh, it's called The Challenger Sale or the challenger sales methodology, the challenger method. Um, <clears throat> I don't agree with everything in the book, but that's the one thing they really talk about a lot is having a teachable point of view, um, you know, is to, is, to, is to have something that you're offering that's unique compared to your competitor. And uh, if, you, if you're looking for a good, I would have two books that I recommend, but if, you know, it, that one I would take about half of what's in that book. The other book I would, I would just consume, and it's one that made a huge difference in my sales career, and it's called The Spin Method uh, by Neil Rackham. That's, that's my sales Bible right there. But. Yeah, Neil, Neil Rackham talks about, uh, and it was something that you mentioned even previous, and was with the, the consultative role of selling. And that's something that a lot of our a lot of our listeners can take into the service industry. I think is because it's not just look, it's not just a clean house. It's an experience that it's the feeling. It's it's the stress relieving at the end of the day. It's not just a a beautiful looking lawn. It's coming home. It's that curb appeal. It's that pride in one's home ownership as well. It's that Saturday sitting on your deck instead of mowing instead the yard. Instead of mowing the actual lawn yourself. I mean, it, you're selling you're selling something much more tangible than people realize. People don't think of it as a tangible thing, but it is very much so. It's a product, yeah. Very much so a product. And that consultative, the consultative role that you can take, using Neil Rackham's words, is you can approach this from a listen. This is what you're getting. It's not just a clean house. This is what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And I've and I've sold I've sold Service Autopilot to a number of cleaning companies, especially in the last few months. And something that I've I love that I see across the board. And you can even take it a step further, is the the step-by-step process. I've seen the 26-step process that we take to clean, the 72-step process, the 35-step process. I mean, I've seen so many numbers, it's it, you know, I go blind on it. But it but I, I'll tell you something that's absolutely wonderful about that is they they detail out, some more so than others, specifically what I'm getting for my dollar amount. And so yeah, I'm paying 25 bucks an hour, but tw- that $25 an hour is getting me so much more than a person coming in with, with a dustpan or a mop or a, a rag or whatever, it's something so much more quality than that. So if you are proactive and consultative with that type of practice and showing them what they're getting for their dollar amount, you're, you're ultimately going to be that one more up on your competition who just is selling the rag or the mop, yeah. the lawnmower or whatever. Let's so let's talk a little bit more about Neil Rackham here, Jim. So, what other practices from from Rackham have you seen that are, can be successful within the service industry or just in sales in general? Yeah, well, I think um, that book specifically. A lot of people have read it, and they may be familiar with it. And, and some of our listeners may have even have it on their shelf or the audio book. And I would say, you know, nine times out of ten, what I find is, you know, when I'm when I'm working with, um, you know coaching a sales rep, a lot of times what I'll find is they get comfortable asking situation questions. We ask those all day long. You know, can you tell me a little bit about your business? Can you tell me a little bit about your lawn? How many rooms do you have? You know, do you have pets? That sort of thing. Those are your situational questions. And then some of them will go on into the problem questions. Um, And that you're going to have a better success ratio. Uh, The ones that oftentimes, and they're more difficult to put into practice, are those other two, the implication and the needs payoff questions. And if you can really get comfortable and practice um, 
asking and having implication questions and those need payoff questions ready to go, um, then it's, it, it, honestly, it's, it's, it becomes a natural conversation and you don't feel like you're selling anymore. You know, that is something that a lot of people struggle with is, is selling, right? It, It feels uncomfortable. It's unnatural, especially if you don't have the quote unquote personality for it. But if you learn how to ask the right kind of questions, it feels like just an honest conversation. And in the end, you, you have the prospect actually close themselves. Uh, you don't have to close them. It, there's so not a hard close needed. What were those categories again? There was situational. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like so spin, spin is an acronym for situation, problem, implication, and needs payoff. So there's a level of questions that I would ask you, and, and I'm doing a great, I hope I do spin, you know, justice, but, you know, I can ask you about your business or I can ask you about, you know, your situation. Can you tell me, you know, what, how big is your yard? How many square footage? Do you have trees? Do you have shrubs? You know, the problems are, what are the problems that you're having currently? When people come to us or when we start talking to folks, you know, a lot of times they have a process or, or they, they think they have a process in play. And I'll ask them, can you tell me about your situation currently? Then why are you looking around? What's caused you to look? Well, here are the problems that I'm facing. I can't, you know, I can't get my crews out on time. I can't, uh, I don't know where they are. I don't know if I'm being profitable or not. You know, when I was, a, when I, you know, when I think of myself as a homeowner, you know, the problems that I have is, you know, with my yard is, you know, what's killing my grass? What's killing my, you know, what's, causing my Rosa Sharon to, to look absolutely you know, like garbage. Um, you know, and it is, unfortunately. Um, those are my problems. Well, the implications. What are the implications if I continue to let that problem be a problem? You know, what's going to happen? Play it out in your own head. And that's, uh, we refer to that as setting people's curtains on fire. You know, like what, <laughs> what's going to happen if you, if you keep, you know, if you keep the candle by the curtains, you know, well, it's going to go up in flames and then what? well, my house is going to burn down and then what? And then I'm going to be destitute. And, you know, that's that sort of thing. You know, just have them play it out in their own head or, or speak truth into, you know, into existence because a lot of times uh, they are suffering implications or they're dealing with implications. Um, and then the needs payoff would be really, you know, what does a solution look like? Or can you can you tell me how how would you like to see that fixed? Um, and that's, that's, that's when the, kind of the light bulb go, goes off and they have that aha moment. And they realize, oh yeah, you know, this is this is well worth it. And all of a sudden, that cost factor um, that you, you know, a lot of times we get the cost, uh, and especially I hear that a lot in lawn care and cleaning is, I just can't out, you know, I can't underbid my competition. You don't need to if you have the right kind of conversation, if you're offering the right uh, solution, um, if you have a unique value proposition, you could charge twenty, thirty, forty more bucks per visit, and uh, some of the really successful members that I've spoken to yeah. at the conference have told me that they have created around themselves uh, the idea that they're the luxury uh, option in their market. Uh, and they've done that by clearly, ex- like what Bear was talking about, about like the 35 step thing or whatever that, you know, this is what we do for your yep. lawn. Yep. These yeah. are how, these are the ways that we're going to take care of it. And because they have, you know, quality marketing and they're showing, uh, they're putting that message out. They're able to charge more than anybody else in their market and be more successful than the other people in their right, market. Right, 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 and you'll and you'll get loyalty. Uh, you know, we talked about retention earlier. Um, you know, I, I I probably should know the statistic off the top of my head. I think it's ten to one. It, it takes ten times the effort to gain a new customer 
than it is to keep a customer or sell to an existing customer. Um, and retention, I, I spent a lot of time in retention and we both use that line today. I heard you, I overheard you say it oh, yeah. on, on the phone to a customer and I said it earlier as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it, it, and it's true. I mean, it's mm-hmm. when you have someone that says, no, I'm ready to go, um, you know, there's a couple of things that may have happened at that point. Um, you know, where did you, where did you, where were the missteps that got them to the point or what is it that they're, that, that the, the customer is dealing with that's changed their situation? And that's when you need to have that whole conversation over again is, uh, is trying to understand where it is that they are and, and why it is that they feel like they need to leave and and having those kind of conversations around you know, how do we, what is it, uh, that sounds so slick and used car salesman is what is it going to take to keep you? You know, it's if you're having to ask that question, that means if you have to ask, you know, what is it going to take to keep you, um, then you've, you've probably made some missteps. I've always found that approach very, very yeah, I think yeah, I think that's an appropriate acronym. Yeah. Like I, uh, excuse me, description. I'm scared I, we're gonna like, get letters from angry used car salesmen. <laughs> that, you know what? Like, we don't appreciate you know what, being used as a byword. You know what? My father was an ex-used car salesman. I learned a lot of salesmanship from my from my father, and I tell you what, he was and was one of those was one of those slick guys. Yeah, and 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 he taught me a couple of things that one of the things that my father taught me about sales is the fact that you know people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And I've, that's something I've taken with me everywhere that I've gone in this in this in sales in, in the sales industry. And that's something that I've Beer, I know I, you said that your dad told you that, but I think that it might impact our listeners a little bit if, more if your mom told if us. If my mom said it, okay. So, there uh people don't know how much you know until they know how much you care. Got oh, it. Bear's mom, thanks for coming into the studio. You're man, welcome. She's here for every episode. She's such a <laughs> is great she? mom. That is scary. Yeah, she's <laughs> I did not know fabulous. this. I love my mother. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, so that that's something my father taught me. And <laughs> how to do to, your mother's voice? To, that too, as well. Yeah. So <laughs> and I, I I told I told Cody this the first time that I actually did my quote unquote mom impression that's that's come out to. My mom sounds actually more like Luke Skywalker than she sounds like the nasally version of yeah. her that I just that I just portrayed. Um which is quite comical and stuff, but uh, they 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 taught me a lot of valuable lessons, and, and the one that I just in, included with, with my dad. Now the the point of caring, and th- that's something that you can actually take into the service industry, because again, th- they don't care that you're an expert in aeration and overseeding. They don't care that you're an expert in organic cleaning products, and you know that and you that you that you're a member of you know, of this organization or this organization or that you've, you've, you've got even 25 years of experience. They just want to know that you care. About their lawn. About their lawn. Or their house. About their house. That it, that it matters to you, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And so um, let me just kind of take, let me kind of roll this a little bit if I can uh, into this final small question for you here, Jim. Um, the, in terms of, Sales. Um, we we've kind of touched on it in managing crews and everything, uh, Cody. And I have in previous episodes, but uh, the the subject of micromanaging. Um, I'm going to go ahead and put it on there on the record. You, you do not micromanage me or anyone else on our team for that matter. And I, that is something that I never experienced until I was actually an employee of Service Autopilot. I can see it's. I'm going to argue the. I'm going to argue the the other side of it. Not that I'm actually asking you to micromanage me, but, uh, I think there, I think there are some positives to staying on top of your employees, uh, making sure that sales get done, making sure that they're meeting numbers, meeting goals, all that other stuff. 
um, why would one want to take the opposite approach or a less aggressive micromanagement mm. approach uh, well, to with think, their sales staff? I think, uh, you know, I, I don't know anybody. Well, there are the few out there that like to be micromanaged. But if you're a, an employee that likes to be micromanaged, then... You're probably not a very good employee. Yeah, exactly. You know, hey, you know, <laughs> make sure that I'm showing up to work at 8 o'clock in the morning. Uh, no, those are table stakes. You should be showing up at 8 o'clock and I shouldn't be worried about that, right? I, I, I do believe in accountability. I, I have never been a fan of being micromanaged myself, um, but I do appreciate being held accountable. And that's something that I try to try to try to do as well. Um, you know, and, there, and there's a fine balance between uh, holding people accountable for, you know, productivity. Um, sometimes that can show up in numbers that can show up in the number of dials. It can show up in a conversion. Um, it's up to the, you know, the individual business to decide what their, what their, accountability metrics are. Um, But I find that if you're a micromanager or if you feel like you need to micromanage, either you don't have the right employee or you're not being the right kind of boss. And the reason I say that is if you're not being the right kind of boss, you feel like you either haven't put in a process or you don't trust your employees to follow a process. Um, Or you don't think they're going to do as good of a job as you are. Right. And that's, that's just, that's ego, um, I believe. Um, we do put a lot of stress on training, and that's something that I, that I, like I said, in, in the first five years of my sales career, um, I either wasn't managed at all or I was micromanaged to the nth degree, and it was a miserable experience. Um, and it wasn't until I went to you know, a different uh, employer and, and started finding where they value their, their employees that they really started putting more emphasis on on training and accountability. Uh, so at the end of the day, we do have to produce, right? We, that's, that's our, that's our, it's high stakes, high reward, or it's, uh, you know, we, we are kind of the front, the, 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 the spear point, right? Tip of the spear. The tip of the spear. I've um, said it before. That's why I'm smiling. Okay. Okay. So, you know, <laughs> at, at the end of the day, we are accountable. Um, we need to make sure that we're producing and we need to make sure that we're converting. Uh, what I'm more concerned about is, you know, if you aren't, then trying to, if you, you know, if, if you're, if you're meeting or exceeding expectations, then there's really no conversation to be had other than just coaching so that you can double down and, and produce more. If you aren't, then I'm interested as a coach rather than a boss or a manager, as a coach to kind of come in and look at your process, listen to your conversations, um, you know, look at your processes, you know, are you following, uh, you know, are you following what's been laid out? And if not, then why not? But if you are, then what is it that's wrong with the process or what can we do to tweak to help your conversion rate or help you get more dials or to help you get more demos in the day? Uh, if you're, if you're, you know, uh, cutting lawns or if you're cleaning homes or if you're cleaning pools, then, you know, do you ever spend time with your guys knocking on doors or, following up on leads? Are you having conversations just like, you know, the, the whole spin thing that we were talking about with your, with your prospects? Um, I actually use that with, with my, with my teams, you know, Hey, what's the situation? What's going on? What's going to, what's going to happen if you keep, you know, doing what you're doing now, good or bad. Right. So uh, again, I don't, I don't like being micromanaged. I don't feel like micromanagement accomplishes anything other than creates a, a stressful environment. Uh, but I do believe in and accountability. It's super inefficient because now two people are doing the work. Exactly. Of, of exactly. One yep. Lower employee. Yep. yep.
So just to be clear, so because you said that uh, the the least the less conversation or the less contact between manager and employee can sometimes be a good thing because that just means that the kind of the no news is good news approach and everything. So it, it's a good note the fact that this is Jim and I's first conversation in like a month. So I must be doing something right. <laughs> um, but uh, now to kind of take off what Jim, you actually just for the record, Jim's office is like ten feet from your exactly. desk. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so exactly. It, it doesn't mean we've actually had conversations. One on one. Yeah. For the record, for the record, we have we have been quite busy with road shows. That's true. And what I've also I also kind of joked. Uh, I also kind of joked when we had David Martinez, a member of our lunch and uh, import team here. I joked about how you moved me to that position so that you could keep an eye on the new guy. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, we're we're pretty sure. That that uh, Bear needs to be monitored. That's yeah. probably true. That's probably true. I wanted to real quickly just tie back what Jim was just talking about with kind of like a coaching style of management and looking at tweaking the process or helping the employee tweak what they're doing. And that gets back to what you were talking about at the very beginning when you were talking about how people coming into sales, because it's a little bit of a you know, it's competitive environment, it's good for them to have come from like a sports background or something like that. And then I just, I just noticed that like that played out into how you approach managing them is to think of it like a coach yeah. helping someone get the most out of their body. Yep. yep. Uh, you think about Tiger Woods. I mean, not his recent performance, you know, uh, but, but Tiger really, Woods in his prime, in his prime, let's preface that. I, I don't know the, 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 the mechanics of a golf swing or anything, but the guy was amazing, right? He, he had, he was on top of the world, but he's a still, machine took time away to completely break down his swing and learn to swing all over again, right? At least that's the story I've been told and that's how I've read it. Um, and I think especially with new employees, new hires, uh, sometimes you have to bring them in and kind of, hey, tell me a little bit about what you're used to, you know, what's your style in the past, you know, how have you been coached, what are your expectations? Okay, let's, let's rebuild your swing. Let's, let's talk about our way of doing things and make sure that we're, we're all we're all in, you know, we're all working together here. Absolutely. And I think that's, uh, I think that um, if you have a, you know, if you have a system and a thing that works within your company, your philosophy and everything like that with your particular business, when you bring in a new employee or you bring in a new customer and you show them that A plus style of doing things, you know, pretty much right off the bat, if you've got a a, if you've got a customer that you want to want to keep, you you know, because there's all, there are all those customers that you don't, and that you it's going to become an advocate for you and an ambassador for you, bringing you a new business from referrals and stuff like that. You're also going to know right off the bat if that employee is going to be producing for you, either in the sales and the sales aspect or in just the simple labor aspect as well. If they're going to buy into it, um, but uh, just to kind of wrap up here a little bit, um. Jim, a couple of the things that you mentioned were uh, the art, the spin, uh, spin sale. Uh, excuse me, spin selling, uh, which is a book by Neil Rackham. And there will be uh, a link to that book cool. in Amazon in the yep. show notes. So fantastic. Just- the other one was Challenger Sales, which he didn't, which he mentioned as well, which is actually um, um, written by. Oh gosh, I had it up here. Oh man, I was really cool there for a second. Um, it's cool. I can cut it out and make you sound smart. Sounds good. Let's or I can leave that. this in and I can sound funny. Yeah, let's go with this. I didn't know the name of the author. Else, the one thing I would say about the Challenger Cell is, you know, I, I would, I would, I would read the Teach uh, and the Taylor, and then then maybe stop there. There's some some pieces in the take. There's three pieces to 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 the Challenger Cell. It's Teach, uh, Taylor, and Take Control. Um, 
the take control, you kind of have to take that with a bit of a grain, a grain of salt. It's, uh, that's a pretty divisive book. Um, half the people that read it love it. Half the people that read it hate it. I'm, there were pieces in it that I thought were golden, uh, that I, that I really appreciated and that I see our company does, you know, service autopilot does and the teach and the tailor, um, but there's some, it, sometimes it can come across as a bit bullying. And when you have one of those aggro type A, uh, you know, uh, type of guys sometimes get a hold of this book, they can go amiss. So uh, it's just something I, I, I do want to put that caveat out there. Just be careful with that book. <laughs> I think that was kind of code like, Bear, don't read this. <laughs> uh, Matthew Dixon and Brett Adam, Adamson were uh, the authors of uh, The Challenger Sale, Taking Control of the Customer Conversation, and then Spin Selling by Neil Rackham. Uh, all couple links that we'll have at the bottom of the podcast page uh, available for you to take a look at and read. Um, but as uh, as Jim was just saying, there's a little bit of a, a little bit of a warning label with the Challenger sale. But uh, spin selling it was a fantastic read. That was I have I have everyone on my team read it every time they come. You know, anytime somebody comes on board or I come on board with a new team, that's our reading. A really, really fantastic approach to selling. Got it. I can, I cannot endorse it or second that endorsement anymore. I think that was a fabulous read, and it really helped shape my mentality as I kind of, uh, as I as I moved out of my training and support uh, duty here at Service Autopilot and into my role under Jim at Sales. It was a fantastic, uh, a fantastic read. So I definitely recommend it, and I recommend it for anyone, whether you have a sales staff or not. It, it, because again, whether or not you like it or not, if you're in the service business and you have your own small business, you're selling in one way or another, whether you've got a sales team or not. And so I definitely recommend it as a great read, and a different, a, definitely a better approach to selling your product and selling yourself um, than the way you've going going about it. I, and I don't mean that to be to be bold or to be insulting to what you've already been doing. I just mean as in just a very consultative role process and the way that Neil Rackham shapes it, he will inevitably, automatically, emphatically make your sales position a lot better of your business, period. I just, I, sorry, you're not going to convince me otherwise. Yeah. So, um, but we really appreciate uh, our vice president of sales and launch, Jim Evans, for joining Cody and I here uh, for on the Profit Roadmap. Fantastic, Jim. Coming all the way down the long hallway, Jim. Exactly. It's a hey, long you know, stride. I, I just wanted to go ahead and, um, you know, to our listeners, if they want, um, you know, we offer a lot in training and technical support. Um, we haven't done much in the way of training for sales processes, um, and maybe that's something we can offer. But if you want to give me a call, if you have questions about your sales process, um, need to have, you know, someone that you can just chat with about, um, feel free to give me a call. Fantastic. Nine seven two seven two eight four zero four zero. 4040 Hit the sales option. Ask for Jim if he doesn't pick up the phone. So cool. fantastic. I'd be glad to help. What a great offer from our vice president of sales, Jim Evans. Again, thank you so much for joining us today. As always, he's Cody Owen. I'm Barry Duplissy and we'll see you next time.